J. Jones, the host of the State of the Saints podcast. And I want to let you know that the State of the Saints podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. Over 2 million men worldwide have joined the movement for all their below-the-waist needs. Engineers for the last 18 months have perfected the greatest hair trimmer ever created, the Lawnmower 3.0. The third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology pioneered by Manscaped. You can choose the Lawnmower 3.0 as well as other items by going to manscaped.com and you can also save 20% by using the promo code State of Saints. That's manscaped.com. Use the promo code State of Saints and save 20% on the Lawnmower 3.0 as well as other Manscaped items. That's manscaped.com. State of the Saints podcast. Thank you so much for checking out the State of the Saints podcast where we talk New Orleans Saints. And we have a special guest here for the third time, triple threat here on the State of the Saints podcast. We have John DeShazer. JD, what's going on? Nothing much, man. Nothing much. I'm looking at the at your intro and seeing all that Manscaped product. I'm, I'm about to get online pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh, will. Yeah, um, we're, we're sponsored by Manscaped, and we really do appreciate Manscaped for, you know, uh, having us on board with them as a partnership. And, you know, J.D., uh, glad to have you here on the State of the Saints podcast uh, from NewOrleansSaints.com. Uh, haven't uh, spoke to you since the, the announcement of the retirement of Drew Brees. And, you know, somebody that follows the team, somebody that, you know, that gives us that post-game, you know, after every Saints game, win, lose, or draw. And you had the opportunity to be in the locker room with Drew Brees. What is something that you're going to remember about number nine in the New Orleans Saints uniform? You know, I think the biggest thing is is just how relentless he was about his work and about striving to be the best he could be on the field. Um, you know, he was a dude who, you know, there was no amount of work he couldn't put in uh, before practice or after practice. He just he was a to his routines. And a maintenance program that he was religious about uh, and the work he put in to be, you know, as productive as he turned out to be was, was something to behold. I mean, the dude just never rested and, and he was real meticulous about what he ate, uh, sleeping, um, you know, what he drank, um, you know, just everything about him just was so organized and structured. You know, I, I, I can't imagine the dude sleeping past probably seven thirty in the morning or something. I, I, I'd be shocked if he, you know, he probably calls sleeping at six thirty late. Uh, you know, he's just one of those kind of people. So 
You know, that's the thing that stood out the most, even more than the, more than the production. It was watching the stuff that he went through to be able to give that production. Yeah. Yeah. I think we all uh, remember, you know, going to remember Drew Brees as being one of the all time greats. And, you know, J.D., you had an opportunity to, like I said, watch some of these games and also watch some of these Saints, uh, you know, comebacks. So one, one in particular that's most recent is the one against the Washington uh, football team was known as the Washington Redskins at the time. And there's so many great moments. But is there like one moment uh, that you actually had the opportunity to watch firsthand? Uh, Drew Brees actually, you know, uh, going out there, uh, controlling the offense, something that sticks out in your mind? You know, I, I, maybe it's the Miami game where, you know, the Super Bowl year where he, he, he you know, it was it wasn't the, you know, we call it the Brees leap where, he, you know, he scores the, on the one yard touchdown. You know, he does the hop. But the fact that, you know, he was he was um, emotional about it, you know, spiked the football after like, you know, OK, we got this. And, you know, in a comeback mode in that game and, and didn't look good. He did that, and then it was like everybody else felt like, you know, well, okay, we're good then. If, if Drew feels like this about it, then we're good to go. You know, just that kind of moment, you saw a few of those from him because he wasn't the type that would, you know, throw a touchdown on some on some cornerback who'd, be talk, who'd been talking some stuff and, you know, run up and kind of, you know, point at him or anything like that. He was the type that if he did something and he spiked the football or something like that, you knew it meant something to him. He, You know, a couple of, a couple of years ago against the Falcons, he ran for a touchdown. Uh, two two DBs had him dead to rights. You know, he faked one out. One came in for the kill shot. He, he spun off of him, dove into the end zone, got up, spiked it, and it was like, okay, Saints going to win this game. You know, you just felt like it. If he felt that big about it, then you felt like they were in good shape. Yeah, I I, I think we all just love the, the competitiveness of Drew Brees. Like, you know, most of the time we see him as, you know, cool head Luke, but – there are times where we actually see that intensity show on the field. Like, you know, it, it, it didn't work in his favor, but I remember the game yeah. against the Bears, you know, in the wild card game. And, you know, he thought that he got over the top and he said, you know, we had to get in. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. that just shows you the type of person Drew Brees is, you know, the competitor that he is. And, you know, I, I said this, uh, J.D., I mean, he he turned around the franchise, the struggling franchise. You know, I'm yeah. a native of New Orleans. You know, I've seen some – I didn't see some bad times, JD. You know, yeah. in, my, in my time growing <laughs> up in a, in the night ward of uh, of New Orleans, but you know, just the the guy just coming in, you know, six foot quarterback, and he just basically just changed how you think about Saints football. And, and not only that, you know, I, I know people are talking about how great he, you know, who where, where does he place in you know history? Is he a top ten quarterback? You know, I'm always giving guys the notch when they're pioneers. And I just feel yeah. like if it wasn't for a guy like Drew Brees, I don't think you'll have a guy like a Russell Wilson. I don't think yeah. you have a guy like a Baker Mayfield or a Kyler Murray yeah. because, you know, Drew Brees showed you that an undersized quarterback can be successful in the National Football League. I mean, so, I mean, he, I, I have to say that you, you have to give him, uh, you know, top five, top ten recognition just based on that alone. Yeah, pr- production's got to stand for something. I mean, it's yeah. got to be something to do produced a boatload not just numbers but wins that went along with the numbers and the number of players that he played with who while he's putting up those numbers you know receivers who who weren't pro bowl receivers or or at least didn't get that recognition because you know in my mind marcus colston will always be a pro bowl receiver but you know guys who didn't get that kind of recognition 
Um, Drew Brees just always made you feel like the Saints had a chance. Every Sunday, no matter who they were playing, rode a home, it, even if the defense you knew was going to give up 28-31, you always felt like the Saints had a chance because he had the ball. And sometimes it was just a matter of him not having the ball last that the team didn't win because, you know, it, it was some of those situations. It, it, there was a lot of pressure on him for those 15 years as a Saint, and he delivered a lot more than he didn't. Yeah, you know, I, I, and I think we all in the Who That Nation appreciate everything Drew Brees has done uh, for the city of New Orleans as well as the Saints organization and giving us great moments. But, you know, now the Saints, they turn to the future, J.D. You know, I mean, this is the NFL. Yeah. You know, I mean, the NFL, the wheels keep turning. And now the Saints uh, move on. And, and, you know, J.D., the more people that I talk to, you know, it seems like there's a, there's some nervousness in the Who That Nation because – you know, like you said, Drew Brees has been a standard for all for 15 years in the Saints uniform. And now people are wondering who is going to uh, pick up that torch and carry, you know. And uh, my question is to you is uh, looking inside the Saints locker room. Do you think that the New Orleans Saints uh, are good, you know, for life after Drew Brees when it comes to leadership? Well, I think they are just from the standpoint of they've got a good nucleus of players. You know, that defense it's still good. You know, when you got Cam Jordan and you got David on Yamada and you've got, you know, Demario Davis and you've got Malcolm Jenkins and you got Marcus Williams and, you know, Marshawn Lattimore. So I think from that standpoint, you feel good about the team because, you know, the Saints currently don't have to score 35 to win. You know, there was a time where if they didn't get 31, 35, 33, they might not be able to win a game. Now, They've got enough defense to where the defense can carry the day a lot for this team, you know, and, and if not carry the day, they can certainly get enough stops to where they can put you in position to win. So from that standpoint, yeah, I feel like they're going to be competitive. I think they were in good shape. You're talking about people being worried about the quarterback situation. They, they should be. I mean, because for 15 years you had, in, had it in great hands. You knew exactly who was going to be back there. You had a good idea what he was going to produce. And so, you didn't worry about that. This for the first time in maybe 17 years, the Saints got a quarterback comp competition and you don't necessarily know. And even if those guys, even if, you know, Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill come and produce, you know, do they bring you the same level of production? Do they bring you the same, you know, leadership? And more than that, you know, as a quarterback in the NFL, at some point or several points during the season, there's going to be some late drives where you just got to get it done. You either got to get that game-winning field goal or you got to get that go-ahead touchdown or whatever it is, but you got to get it done on offense. And the Saints hadn't had to rely on anybody to do that except Drew Brees basically for 15 years. So can Taysom Hill do it? Can Jameis Winston do it? We don't really know yet. We know Jameis has had more chances because he was a starting quarterback at Tampa Bay. But he didn't have the roster around him in Tampa Bay either. And a lot of people, you know, kind of dump on Jameis a little bit and say how Tom Brady elevated things in Tampa Bay. And Tom Brady did. But look, when Tom Brady went to Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay invested a whole lot more around Tom Brady than they did around Jameis Winston. Now. Right. Let's be real. So, you know, I understand Tom Brady is a fantastic player, but Jameis didn't have no Gronk and he didn't have no Leonard Fournette and he didn't have a team that invested in the defense the way Tampa Bay did. And and so, you know, some of those things are, you know, legit and yet kind of sort of bogus too. So Jameis Winston will have a better surrounding cast 
in New Orleans. But again, you know, it comes down to can you make that big throw? Can you rally the troops when, you know, there's going to be some games where you just don't play well for two and a half, three quarters, but you got to come up with the goods in the fourth quarter. So, you know, can Jameis and can, can Taysom do that? We don't know that of them yet. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, <laughs> look, like I said at the beginning, I mean, I've seen some bad uh, quarterback play some, uh, yeah. from the New Orleans Saints in my time. Yeah. So I can understand how people feel and how skeptical they are about can these guys deliver. Uh, but, you know, I, I look at the leadership that they actually have. I look at guys like Demario Davis and, and Cam mm-hmm. Jordan. I mean, you have to say that the Saints were preparing for this moment. You know what I mean? Even like when Drew Brees went down – a uh, year before, and Demario Davis start commanding inside of the huddle, and then you see this year it was like a combination of both of them inside of the huddle. You know, Demario would say the speech, and Drew would come in and say something else after him. So, I think the leadership is there. Uh, you know, I think that you know, I think we all as Saints fans need to give these guys an opportunity to see what they can actually do. But we we talked about uh, Jameis Winston. You mentioned him. Uh, you you all had the opportunity to have a you know, a little bit of a, you know, an interview or a press conference with him. And, you know, members of the, uh, I guess like, like Saints fans, I should say, um, a lot of them are on the fence about Jameis Winston. Some of them can't like get over some of the things that he did in the past. Some people can't get over the fact about the, the interceptions that he threw when he was a starter, the 30 interceptions. But JD, you had opportunity to, you know, be at that press conference with Jameis Winston. Do you see a change in Jameis Winston? And is there something that we in a who that nation do? Can do we need to buy into what Jameis Winston is indeed selling right now? Have, did he make a believer out of you? Well, I, as a as a teammate and as a leader, yeah. I mean, you know, everywhere he's been, uh, going back to Florida State and all his years at Tampa Bay, you have never heard teammates say a bad word about James Winston. Not a one. Uh, they love him as a leader. They love him as a teammate. Uh, they love his talent. And, yes, he did throw the, the 30 picks in Tampa and, and had some fumbles that year too. But before that year, his his he was pretty steady around 13, 14 interceptions a year, which is manageable. Do you – you know, because – you know, really in the NFL, that's that's pretty manageable. You you know, Drew Brees spoiled us throwing, you know, six interceptions in a season. <laughs> he had some seasons where he threw, you know, 14, 15. So, you know, that's pretty much where Jameis Winston was. And you feel like with a better cast around him, with better coaching or at least coaching that stresses to him, you don't need the home run. It's okay to take a single. It's okay to take a sack. Because you can punt it, you got a good defense, you'll get the ball back. But again, you put the offense around him that the Saints have. Saints have the two best tackles in the league for my money, and Ryan Ramchick and, and Teron Armstead. They have, to me, an underrated but I think blossoming center in Eric McCoy. I think Eric McCoy is Pro Bowl caliber, All Pro caliber already. Um, they feel good at the guard position with Cesar Ruiz and Andrews Pete. Now, Andrews Pete will have some days, but. You know, he's out there. He's versatile. Then you throw in Michael Thomas at receiver and Alvin Kamara at running back. Well, a lot of teams would love that. So the Saints ain't exactly begging for help on offense. You know, no. so Jameis won't have to go out there. And again, he won't have to win every game by himself. There's going to be some situations where he's going to have to come up big. But he's got a lot of help out there. So 
you can minimize the risk because you've got a good surrounding cast. You got a good supporting cast. And I think that's a big thing that he saw when he came back, said, you know what? I got a chance to not only win there, you know, of course you want to get paid, but I got a chance to win there. And Jameis, you know, he got emotional talking about being on a playoff team where he wouldn't even start quarterback, <laughs> but he would you know, to have a chance to be in those moments, to play meaningful games, to see how a team prepares and all that stuff. I believe fundamentally, I do believe it changed him as a person. Now, I ain't saying he was a bad person because again, he did some stupid stuff in his younger days. A lot of that I think is attributable to youth. You know, okay, man, I did some stuff when I was 21, 22. I wouldn't want my mama to know. <laughs> and so and so I'm sure he had some of those moments. But I mean, he looks, he sounds like a matured player. Is it going to manifest itself on the field? Well, he said, you know, he had somebody tell him, you know, uh, you can be a good quarterback and, you know, I'm paraphrasing, you can be a good quarterback but and not a good man. But if you're a good man, it'll make you a better quarterback. And I think he is at the point where he's a pretty good man. Yeah. Uh, yeah I look at Jameis Winston and, I mean, he won me over. You know, like, I mean, I, yeah. I I had an opportunity, like, to really kind of just watch this guy, like, I, his, his rise. You know, like, even when he was at Florida State, I think we all – Saw him, you know, the Heisman Trophy winner, the national champion. Uh, mm-hmm. But like you said, I mean, we all make mistakes when we were young. You know, I, I remember being a, a young 19-year-old sophomore going to Jackson State University. And, you know, thank God for it. You know, they probably have social media and stuff like that. <laughs> exactly. 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 <laughs> you know, but, yeah, but, but you grow you grow from those things. You know, I mm-hmm. mean, look, that you, he's a husband. He's a father. And those type of things change you. And I, I know that from personal experience, being a husband yeah. and a father, you know. So yeah. I believe that he can change. I, I feel like people need to give him an opportunity to do so. Uh, now we got to talk about the NFL draft. You know, NFL draft is, is closely approaching. Uh, the New Orleans Saints have some holes they need to fill. What position uh, do you think the New Orleans Saints should address with the first pick that they have in the first round? Well, I mean, as it stands now, if nothing changes between here and the draft, I, w- I would have to say that they would have to look at cornerback. I mean, you know, when you lose Jack Rabbit Jenkins, one starter, and Marshawn Lattimore has, you know, a legal matter that has to be cleared one way or the other, and you think and you know from the NFL's track record that there could be a pending suspension there. I mean, I'm speculating there, but, I mean, if, if that's going to be the case, then that means you don't have your two starting cornerbacks on the field for game one, uh, at, at least. So, you know, that's one of those places where, you know, you can never have too many good cornerbacks. It's hard to find good cornerbacks. You you, you basically almost have to draft them. Uh, the Saints <laughs> had to draft Marshawn. Janoris Jenkins was a first-round pick in the NFL draft. So you almost have to draft the great ones because it's just hard to find them. I mean, you can get a guy who's undrafted, who can be a player for you, but sooner or later, those warts will kind of show up. That'll tell you why he was undrafted. So you almost got to go and get one. And uh, the way the Saints are right now, yeah, yeah, PJ Williams is back, and Pat Pat Robinson is still on the team. But you know, I, I would think that they would have to look at at defensive back, cornerback right now because again, if 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 Jack Rabbit in the round, and if if you know you don't know exactly what Marshawn's situation is. And you're probably going to need some help there. You would need help there even if there was no issue with Marshawn. 
So now that that popped up, I think you definitely have to have some help there. Yeah, yeah, I talked about that too. You know, before, you know, the the Jackrabbit situation, the cap casualty, I was like, the Saints need a linebacker. You know, I, I never really seen like the Saints draft that sideline to sideline linebacker like most teams in the NFC South do, like the Luke Keekleys, the Thomas Davis, the Debo Jones, you know, I mean, the, the Devin Whites. It seemed like every other team in the South has gotten that linebacker, that thumper, you know, that, that disruptor yeah. that as a Saints fan, you're like, man, I'm tired of this guy. You know, I, but this is a this is a passing lead. And, you know, if you don't have stability at the cornerback position, I mean, you're going to get beat. I mean, you got mm-hmm. some of the best wide receivers in football in this in this division alone. So mm-hmm. I, I, I definitely agree with what you're saying about the, the cornerback position. I think that's that very important. Uh, but, you know, I do think they need to get that that linebacker later on, you know, also. But let's talk about the, the, the pickups that the Saints have had. You know, let's talk about uh, Tano Passigno. I hope I said his name right. Uh, from the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, you know, he played for the Kansas City Chiefs. He was drafted back in 2017. He reminds me, to me, uh, like a, a Ziggy Anza type player. You know, when he first came out, you know, he was a raw talent, had a lot of, you know, ability and skills. And, you know, he's coming to the New Orleans Saints. Uh, what do you think? From your personal opinion, what can he bring to the New Orleans Saints? Do you think he'll be a starter? Uh, do you think that he would just be a, a solid rotate rotation player? What do you think? Oh, I definitely think he's going to be a rotation player. I don't know if he's going to be a starter because, you know, he'll probably be a nice little scrap uh, for a start position between he and Carl Granderson, you know, a dude that, um, you know, who kind of flew under the radar and got about five sacks or so last year. Uh, but he is a big dude. He's 6'6", he's 261, so he's rangy, he's long. He can play inside and outside. And, you know, you always benefit if you got a stud on the other side. So you got Cam Jordan on the other side. You got David on Yamada in the middle who's wreaking havoc. So that will make his job that much easier because, as Trey Hendrickson did last year, Trey Hendrickson took advantage of all those one-on-one situations and started beating people, got 13 and a half sacks, and cashed in on as a free agent. You know, the, you know, he can be the exact same guy because – He'll be in that position. Whoever's on that other side will be able to take advantage of that. And, you know, you rotate the line around, you get in those past situations. He said one of the things he liked was the fun he saw the Saints having and the way they were relentless. You know, when Kansas City played the the Saints last year, Saints sacked Patrick Mahomes four times. Didn't win that game, but I thought they played Patrick Mahomes about as well as you can play in, you know, without, you know, without just getting shredded, you know, they made him chip everything and the the defense was on the field for 92 plays in that game, by the way. But, you know, I think he's somebody who can come in and challenge. I think he'll automatically, I think he'll immediately be in the rotation, but I think he's got starting quality. You know, he's got the, he's got the physical dimensions to do it. He's got the athleticism to do it. So now he's going to have to put it in. Now he's going to put himself in a situation where hopefully he can take advantage of some of what he'll reap from, you know, Cam Jordan and from and from you know David on Yamada. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what he can bring to the table. Uh I, I know he has a lot of upside and a lot of promise. And you know, my my final question for you is is about Marcus Davenport. Is this a put up or shut up year for Marcus Davenport? Well, I mean, he's see it in him. And that's that's the thing. He keeps getting hurt, and that's the thing too. And you know, the the most important ability in the NFL is availability. 
if you're not available, then it doesn't matter how much of a physical specimen you are. It doesn't matter how strong you are, how fast you are. If you ain't on the field, it don't mean nothing. So that's the big thing with Marcus. Can he stay healthy? Because if he's healthy, then he is everything the Saints drafted him to be. He's long. He's strong. He's athletic. He gets to the quarterback. He's playing the run much better. He just got to stay healthy. Is it a put up year? Yeah, it's a, it's a put up year for him because, you know, this is what, fifth year? It's a put up year. He needs to stay healthy and be an integral part of this defense because they're counting on him. They they need more than just a name on the roster. They need more than, you know, him playing six games and then he gives you, you know, in those six games, he gives you, you know, four sacks and, you know, five quarterback hits and, you know, force a fumble and then miss three games. You know, that doesn't do any good for continuity for a defense. You need to be able to depend on folks. You got to be able to count on them. You got to be able to say, okay, we're going to have him for at least 14 games. Well, 15, because now that the NFL season is going to 17. So at least 15 games, you feel like you need to have him because when he's out there, he makes a huge, huge difference. He's just got to be available. And that's the big thing with Marcus. Is he going to be available? Because, you know, every time you see him on the field, his even if Marcus don't make a, even if he don't make a statistical dent, if he don't have a tackle or a sack, you just see him in the backfield doing stuff. And it's like, okay, that's the thing. He's making an impact because it ain't always about you getting a sack. Sometimes you force the dude to pull the ball down, step up, and David Onyemata comes up with the sack. Or you force him to run the other side, and Cam gets the sack. That can happen, and that impact goes undervalued, but Marcus can do that. That's what he's got to be available to do, and that's the big thing with him. Yeah, I, I think we all are waiting for the light to come on with Davenport. I mean, everybody – I think a, a lot of people know that the talent is there, yeah. uh, you know, the, the physical attributes are there, but it, like you said – you know, it's about availability. You know, I, I've heard this said so many times, like you can't make the club in the tub, you know, like yes, you got to make sure that you're out there. <laughs> yes, sir. You got to be out there. Your teammates got to be able to count on you. So looking forward to big things with Marcus Davenport and, and, and finally seeing him live up to his potential. Uh, but, J.D., thank you so much for being a part of the State of the Saints podcast. And before you get up out of here, let everybody know how they can get in touch with you. Well, you can always get me on Twitter at John DeShazer. I'm also on Instagram uh, under my name, John DeShazer. I'm, I'm rarely on Instagram, <laughs> but, you know, I check it every now and then. Uh, but mostly I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Twitter head, man. I love being on Twitter. You know, I'm on there, you know, for the, a good majority of the day because I just feel like that's where I get my best news and, you know, all the people I follow, including TJ. Uh, so, you know, that's where I kind of catch up with everything I need to find out. So, but that's the main that's the main way to get me, you know, on, on Twitter. Yeah, uh, definitely. We, we look forward to uh, hearing from you and also like seeing your tweets and also that great commentary when we start getting close to the season, you know, from New Orleans Saints dot com. We're always looking forward to that. J.D., thank you so much for being a part of the State of the Saints podcast. Always a pleasure and looking forward to next time. We, w- we won't wait so long next time. No, nah, we won't. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you take care. You too.